passage, a, few, a couple of verses this morning uh, to go on with our, uh, with our message. Judges chapter 13. Um, um, I'm going to read two verses, verse 24 and 25. He said, when, the son, when her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Mahanadan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Ashtal. For, for, for starters, Samson was a, strong, was a strong guy. He was a strong dude. You don't want to mess with Samson. There are a few people that actually tried to mess with Samson. If you read in Judges, you'll realize they really had it coming to them. And sometimes he went around looking for a fight. One time, I think in verse 14, he came out and, and, and he gave people a riddle. He goes, some guys are riddle. I say, hey, listen, if you guys can solve my riddle, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a lot of stuff. You know, so really expensive stuff. 30 guys, they could not come up with a riddle and they were afraid to lose their money and everything. And so they ended up actually co-hosting uh, Samson's wife and kind of saying, hey, we're going to kill your family if you don't tell us what your husband's riddle is, if you don't solve the riddle for us. And so his wife kind of uh, went out and said, well, um, afraid for her family, her parents, uh, she kind of uh, leaked the information. And Samson just got so furious. And he knew he had to keep his word and give the guys what he had promised to give him. He went on that just on a day and he beat up 30 guys. Now, if there's a dude that can beat up 30 guys, come see me. I, I do have a... a, a, a Security guard job I, I have at the church, you know, and it's someone we kind of, that's, that's the kind of guy he was. But, uh, but Samson, uh, was equipped with that, um, uh, with that strength that he has, supernatural strength that he was just extraordinary because God had put a calling in his life. Samson was born in a time where uh, the Israelites were living under the oppression, uh, under oppression by the Philistines. The Philistines, it says, had dominion over them for 40 years. And Samson was one of the guys that God was going to use to actually bring the Israelites out of that place of bondage. So God had already ordained purpose in his life. And so because he had an ordained purpose in his life, God equipped Samson with what he needed to take down the bad guys and to free up his people. So, His story is not any more special than your story and my story. You see, God, Samson came for a specific assignment, and God gave him what he needed to fulfill that assignment. Now, he wasn't always faithful with what God had given him. He didn't quite fulfill everything. I'm not saying that Samson was excellent. He was not excellent. He made a lot of mistakes. His journey was mad with a lot of ups and downs. How many have a story like that? But yet God still anointed Samson. God still blessed Samson. God still caused his spirit to be upon Samson. See, God uses people that are not perfect. He uses imperfect vessels. In fact, if God ever, if the God's qualification for using people was perfection, nobody would ever be used by God. But there's some principles that we can learn from the Bible and in his life, and maybe even from the passage that we read, I just want to draw a couple points there before we go on. And we'll t- I am so excited because I do believe, well, the Lord's stirring myself up, he's stirring me up, and I hope he stirs you up so that you can be all that you can be, so that in 2017 doesn't have to go through the calendar as just another year. How many of you, you, you want to be able to do what God has assigned for you to do? There are miracles that are yet to happen. There are books that are yet to be written. There are businesses that are yet to to pro- Prosper. There are things, there are debts that are yet to be paid. 
Because in order for you to walk in your, in your fulfilling your purpose, you have to be free. But one line, I want to read that passage again, and I want to just draw one line. In fact, I wouldn't read it. I'll just paraphrase it. You see, the Bible says that, that, that as a child grew, he was born. The first thing that happened to all of us, anybody ever came here in any other way other than being born? No one. Okay, so we were all born, right? But you see, in the spiritual realm, it's the same way. Jesus was asked by people. Um, people were very curious because they knew there was an anointing upon Jesus' life. And he was different from all the other teachers and religious leaders of his time. In fact, the time where Jesus walked into the planet, it was one of the most religious times of, 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 of Israelites. And there was a lot of religion and dry religion, but no life. So they were reduced to just keeping rules. And well, got you, Paul. Got you, Sam. Oh, oh you took a cow out of a ditch oh, and it was Sabbath day. Do you know what I'm, you know, so it was just tiny minutiae things and they came up with all sorts of reasons where it was so hard to follow God in any way because it was unattainable for any ordinary person. But what Jesus showed, showed up in the planet, the Pharisees and the teachers of religion, the, the religious teachers had all these rules that they had come up with of how you can, well, uh, they took the, the rules in the Bible in the five, five, first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They are called the, law, the books of the law. Because that's when you see, see all the rules. Sometimes there were uh, civil rules, there were religious rules, there were just cultural rules that were elaborated in that time. And they were taking all the rules that said, do this or do that. And they bisected it, they analyzed it, they came up with all sorts of charts of this rule. And, all that. and so they were, they, were, they were known as the experts. And so they cannot were around, walking around, calling everybody out. And Jesus comes into town. There's a new sheriff that shows up that plays on a totally different way. He came out with a different style. They came in suits. He came in... All right. You get the picture. He did not fit the mold. But yet it was undeniable that the Spirit of God was in him. Because God went about, he went about doing good and healing all those who are sick. He spoke the word of God as a kid, 12 years old. He's debating with these religious leaders and he's holding his own. In fact, he outwitted them every single time they tried to trick him. So they know that he's got something that we don't have. But yet, he doesn't feel the mold. And as he became more influential, they got jealous. They say, oh, well, he's watering down and everything. But people are always curious. As they started realizing that God was with him, people would ask him questions. Uh, things like, hey, what's, what's the greatest commandment? What do you think? You know, we've been taught about 300 commandments. The do's and the don'ts in the Bible, they added up to about 300. And we were told, so, so, so there's a lot of it. And it's hard for any one man. I even forget what my middle initial is sometimes. How can you remember 300 rules? And keep them every time. He says, you know, we're trying to just kind of make this thing simple. And we're trying to kind of live our lives. We want to honor God. We really are sincere people. We just want to have relationship with God. But it's so complex. I'm not smart enough to memorize all that. And when I do, I forget. How many feel that? So can I forget? Is that right? Is that wrong? So say, could you help narrow it down for us? Could you just help us? Uh, what do you think is the greatest commandment? And then Jesus says to them, uh, 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 Here's a way to look at it. I said, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and with all your strength. Oh, that's the greatest one. I, wow, that's easy. I could do that. How many love God in this room? We could easily say that, can't we? 
love God. But it, it does attach something to it with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, with all your strength. How do you love someone with all your strength? Okay, so anyway, we'll talk about that later. And so there is another one also that's very similar to the one I just gave you. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It says if you get these two, you don't have to memorize anything. Because if you get these two right, you fulfill all the law. Wow. Simple, but yet powerful. Just because it's simple, it doesn't diminish its power. In fact, when you really think about it, what if we all love the Lord with that kind of energy, with that kind of life? What if we were just devoted to Him, that no matter what happened, we are so loyal to Him, no matter what we feel. When things that begin to correct in our lives, I think so. And what if we take that same passion and start directing it to the people that are unlovable? Because it's easy to love people that love you back. Way harder. If you're a Democrat these days, it's harder to love a Republican. If you're a Republican these days, it's harder to love a... I'm just bringing it real. That's the world, people. The people of God should be absolutely different. We should be the people that reflect who God is. You know what? It's like, I don't care if you are so passionate about this area. It's great. But it's secondary when it comes to the things of God. It's like, we're not going to lose our friendship because of this. We're going to lose our family because of this. What we have going on is a lot better and a lot bigger than that. We belong to a kingdom that has no end. That's what we are called brothers and sisters in the Lord. We get that. We can start fulfilling the purpose that God has put for us. We're not an accident in this time that we're living in. It's not a mistake that we even we live in Lincoln, Nebraska. How does a kid from Nairobi, Kenya end up in Lincoln, Nebraska? I get that question all the time. I say, I don't know either. I'm surprised just as much as you are. I would have never thought that. I was like, well, when I grow up, I'm going to move to Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> never crossed my mind. Not a single bit. But you know, the Bible says that many are the plans that are in a man's heart, but the will of God prevails. You know, it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men, the plans that God has for those who love him. You've had imaginations. Maybe you've desired things. Maybe you've seen your life and pictured it. And maybe you've had a glimpse about your purpose because there are certain things that kind of draw your attention. And you feel like, man, you know, if I ever got a chance, I would have maybe fulfilled this. I would have maybe written this. I would have maybe done this. Because God put something inside of you and you feel like, my life is worth more than this. But I'm trapped in my own skin. I'm trapped in my debt. I am trapped in this. So I feel like I'm obligated to do this because I can't really do it. You know, God wants to bring freedom. We, can't, we don't need to live that way anymore. We need to walk as people of purpose. And when I see in the passage, one of the things that draws my attention, and I see the similarities over and over again, it's the association of growth and blessing. It says that the child grew... When her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew. So in the process of growth, as he continued to grow, the Lord's blessing and favor was upon his life. 
And as they continued to, as he continued to grow, the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. God started to show him things about his life that he had no idea. He was just growing up like any other kid, but the Lord had purpose in his life. And so the Spirit of the Lord begins to stir him and begin to show him things. And it's like, wow, I never really pictured that. But you know what? As he grew, the Lord blessed him. And I was kind of like, wow, that's interesting. You could go through the Bible, and there are hundreds of examples, which is kind of fascinating to me, where blessing and growth were connected. Let me give you a few examples. So I have actually a couple of verses there. If you go to the next slide, which my, my, my okay, the next slide, this, uh, no, that's, I must have sent you an old, um, an old uh, slide. Try the next one. Let's see. I have him on my notes here. Yeah, that's the old one. I sent him the old one. Not their fault. Uh, You can write this down. If you have a pen, if you have a phone, you can copy this and paste it. Okay, so let me give you a few ones. You can just place it on your notes. Um, um, Sorry, guys. 1 Samuel 2.26. Samuel was a very prolific prophet. It says, when the child Samuel grew, and the child Samuel grew in stature, and the favor of God, and and in favor with both God and man. What's favor? uh, What's favor? It's a grace, it's a blessing, it's something that you did not earn, it just comes from the hand of God. The grace is unmerited favor. We're not saved because we are good. I know some of you are good. I, if I show you my life, I, come, I don't even come close to good. But I solely depend on the goodness of the Lord in my life. Because He's good, then I can be good. You see what I mean? It's not that I'm good, so God is good to me. No, 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 no. God's good to me, so he makes me good. As he grew, the Lord's favor was in him. Another guy, we were doing baptism today. John the Baptist, Luke 1.18. Luke 1.18. Sorry, guys, I sent you the wrong slide. Luke 1.18. So you're going to have to really listen to me today. <clears throat> Luke, 1.8, Luke 1.80. Sorry, 180. It says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. This is John the Baptist. And he lived in the wilderness until the time of his public appearance to fulfill his purpose. So anyway, in the process of growth, as he grew, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He gets strong in spirit. Here's another one that to me, I think, is kind of is really exciting to see and actually thought-provoking for me. Isn't Jesus perfect? He was a perfect son of God. But Luke 2.52, Luke says, And Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in the favor of God, in the blessing of God. And, and he had favor with man as well. So Jesus grew. I thought he came already perfect. One more, Luke 2.40. So if you're writing, to reading it later, it says, And the child grew, this is talking of Jesus. And he became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. What's grace? The unmerited favor. Of God, so and I could go through a series of numbers, but the, to make uh, verses to kind of connect those two. I'm saying all this to make one point: that for us to grow, for us to see the fulfillment of God's promises in our life, we have to commit to growth. We have to commit to growth and growing. Now, it happens in the natural. There are certain things that we need to grow physically. You can grow physically and not be strong. (laughs) 
when we are hungry, physically, we know exactly what we need. Intellectually, we grow too. That's why we send our kids to school and we educate and we want them to grow in knowledge. We want them to understand how things work. We want them to be successful. So we encourage them to grow and to learn. Don't we do that intellectually? We want to grow emotionally. Our leadership qualities, emotional maturity. We know that without that, you can't really be a leader. You have to be able to balance things. You know, there's a way that things work in the world. And you know, you may not like it, but if you're going to amount to anything, you're going to have to grow in discipline and different things and add some qualities and broaden your perspective. So we know this to be true, don't we? And we can see people that actually advance and grow in their jobs, in their careers, because they go places where everybody else hasn't gone. I like athletics. I like uh, track and field. I like just about every sport under the sun, I think. So, but when you see the athletes that maybe compete at a very high level, we like to enjoy and celebrate them. But the sacrifices that they make, let's say like a 100-meter dash, those guys do it in 10 seconds and, you know... And, 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 but they, they have lived a life of discipline. For, for them, it's like, wow. We watched the 10 seconds and we are fascinated. Did you see Usain Bolt? Wow. To me, that, that excites me. Some of you is like, oh, that's nothing. But that's awesome to see. But, but then you, you start looking at what they had to do. Michael Phelps, you remember when he was living, winning all these gold medals. And then they start talking about his life and how the sacrifices he made and the, all the, the time he spent investing in this and how all the parties that he missed and all the, um, the, the video games that he missed playing because to achieve what he achieved, he had to get rid of all the distractions in his life. So we understand that. Now, it is also so important for us to pay that much attention, even more so with our spiritual growth. See, when we come to Jesus, first of all, the very first step is always, always, always to be born again. You see, there was a brilliant man that came to Jesus in John chapter 3. And he came to ask Jesus, just trying to understand. This guy was one of those Pharisees. He was a smart guy, very wealthy, very well respected. Came to Jesus and he's trying to figure out, he's like, I know that we don't like you. My, my fraternity really doesn't like you. But I know there's something in you that you could teach me about the kingdom of God. I've seen the spirit of God. I know you are from God. I want you to help me understand about the kingdom. What must one do to enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, his name was, unless a man is born again, he shall not see the kingdom of heaven. Zacchaeus was a guy that was brilliant. He was well-respected in the community. He was a very smart man. He knew the first five books. The prerequisite for the school that he was in required them to memorize the first five books of the Bible. He had it down. And Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and he says, Hey, let me stop you from the question you're asking. You haven't even begun the game. It starts with a person being born again. He goes, whoa, what's that? You mean I have to be born? Go to my mother's womb? It's just a weird concept altogether and be born again. I'm a grown man. And Jesus says, now be easier. 
One must be born of the Spirit before you even start that. So when we are born again, God's desire for you and me is that we begin to grow. That we don't stay the same. That we pay attention to our spiritual development and growth. That we invest in our spiritual life and begin to grow just like Jesus grew. Just like John the Baptist grew. Just like Samuel grew. Just like Samson grew. And as we grow, that the Spirit of the Lord begins to stars, And our purpose become clearer and clearer as we go. And that's when we begin to fulfill God's will as we are growing. Here's the problem that happens sometimes. We come to the Lord, we are compelled, we are touched, and, um, and we are moved oftentimes. Because uh, you can't help. If God's in present, you might not be able to translate it or, or be able to articulate it. But when God's there, you feel it. You know something's different. I can tell you when God's been around. I know God's in this place right now. And so we can't help but respond to Him. And we make a choice either respond to Him positively or negatively. And so, or decide, like, we'll take our own time. But there is a wrestling that goes on between us in our spirit. We know God's calling us. We know we need to do something. We're called to action. But we have to make that step and do that. But here's the problem that happens sometimes. We respond to God, but then we don't begin to put the things in our lives that we need, develop the habits that we need to help us grow. Or we do that and we do it for a season. And we go so good at the game that we start going on autopilot. We could recite all the Christianese, but we stop growing. That can happen at any stage of your walk. You can stop growing the day after you pray and say, Jesus, I want you in my life, and go home and stop growing right there. You don't go anywhere with it. Because that's the beginning. You're born again. You're beginning. It could be two weeks after you've done that and just think, hey, I'm going to be back, back to my old life and just begin to do the things that I like to do and just kind of neglect that part. It could be 50 years. I met people, exciting people, that are older. They've been around before my parents were around, before my grandparents were around. Been serving God that long. And I've found some that actually continue to grow. And I've seen some that actually get to like, I got this thing done. I've been doing it for 50 years. They've got the motions right. They go to church or whatever. But they've kind of put a breaks on their growth. I'll tell you a couple of my most fascinating people in my life. It'll be my wife's grandparents. Uh, one of them, her, her grandpa, uh, Paul Stan, who went to home to be with the Lord a few years ago, maybe three years ago. That man, he died at 86, I think he was. And uh, he had served the Lord all his life. He, he took his bride. He was just newly married. Way back in the late 40s, went down to Africa with his wife. When they had to go about with the boat. They went around like the Atlantic down to South Africa, to the Indian Ocean, and went to Kenya. And they didn't even go to the city. They went out in the remote villages in Nyanza. This is way back then before you could actually fly commercially, unless you are of another class. Served the Lord there, came back home, did more stuff for, for, for the kingdom, planted a church, went back in the, uh, in the 60s, 
and, and, and moved, felt a calling to go to Nigeria. They were in Nigeria for 10 years during the civil war. It's called the Biafran War in Nigeria. They were there with, uh, with four kids, raising kids in the middle of the war. And every time they'll ask the Lord, you know, should we take our, our kids home? The Lord will say, no, 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 you're, 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 stay put, stay put, stay put. All the companies, the oil companies, the BP, all, all the different companies, the embassies were closing and they're advising all foreign workers to go back home because the country was no longer safe for foreigners. And they would want to go home. Are we being dumb, keeping our kids here? And they'll pray and the Lord says, hey, you're safe because you're in my will. Spent 10 years with kids there. Came back, apologized. So if, you, if I look, and uh, during the, 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 the Cold War, they were out in, uh, in Eastern um, uh, Europe, you know, um, uh, taking food, uh, running stories with the, with the Germans and the Yugoslavians. And all. They were hitting all those countries with food distribution and ministering the gospel. All the, you know, if you write the story of his life, it's fascinating. And you know the last maybe five, six years of his life, he spent his life in Lincoln, his last part of his life. And it's it here or here. And when we are, the message is going on. He knows this word. He knew it. He was prophesying before my parents were born. But he took so much attention in his own growth. He never was like, hey, I, I, I know it all. No, you kid, you know, you, you don't get it. He never once, ever, ever, ever criticized one thing you said. He was the biggest encourager. Boy, I see the Lord in your life. You know, the Lord's really going to bless you. I remember one time I was going through a very hard time with my family. And he was always one of my prayer partners. I said, hey, I want you to pray with this. And, you know, I got so much encouragement and hope. I said, you know, I know you guys went through some difficult times. How was it when you went through those rough times? Okay. (laughs) You get an encouragement. I tell this story because he never once stopped growing. He never once undermined. A little kid can give the word in a meeting and he will just receive. Sometimes he'll receive better than the rest of us receive. And yet he can sit up and tall and say, I've seen the stuff I've done for the Lord. Always humble. Her grandmother is in Kenya right now, 90 years old, just, uh, well, yeah, almost in a couple of weeks. 90 years in a couple of weeks. You know, she calls and make sure, make sure the devotionals out. Did you guys have the devotionals for the next quarter? Make sure you ship him to me, you know, I, uh, you know uh, and now Andy's going to Kenya, and so we're going to send him to, with, 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 uh, with the devotionals. And she served the Lord that way, but he, she's still taking that devotional, and she's spending time with God. Amen. She's still growing, even though she's got the Word of God in her life, even though she's been used so mightily. And these are people that you don't see on television, because sometimes we measure success differently. Yeah. We don't know the giants in the land that are living among us. We have no idea. We'll go to heaven and say, whoa, 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 whoa. We live the same time. I had no idea. We're in the same time. I have no idea. And the hundreds of thousands of lives that they've impacted for the kingdom. And we have no idea why they're not famous. Why? Because they never were seeking that. But there's one who keeps good books. There's one who keeps good books. Sometimes in your life, you might be making personal sacrifices that nobody ever notices. Nobody ever acknowledges. And when you're committed to growth, don't look for accolades. Don't look for recognition. If it comes, praise God. If it's encouraging, praise God. But you don't need to, to look for affirmation from people, even though sometimes it helps, for it to determine how much you grow. 
the Lord already sees what's done in the secret. And he says that he rewards what's done in the secret openly. Sometimes you see people in their lives and you see the openly blessing and you think, oh, they always get it better. The Lord always just kind of uh, does things for them. You don't know the road they've been. It didn't just appear. It's the one who keeps good books that rewards what's done in secret. He rewards openly. I tell you, there are giants in this room right now and you have no idea. You would have never guessed. You would have never guessed. Some prayer warriors, some really generous givers that you, if you look in there, you'll be like, whoa. And you know without generous people, things don't move. You will never guess. You'll go to heaven thinking, wow. You'll be ashamed because you would have never guessed. But that's how the kingdom of God works. And growth is a personal thing. So we need to have that attitude and say, God, I don't want to remain the same. I don't know when you met the Lord. I don't know when you made a decision for Christ. Don't stay the same. Make a commitment to grow. Pursue the Lord this year. Grow like you've never grown before. He says, you don't have to think, okay, I regret what I didn't do. Forget that. Just start afresh. And make a fresh commitment to, to growth spiritually. Now, I tell you, many other things, like we said physically, you don't even have to try. I'm already feeling it, and I'm wondering what's for dinner today after church. My body's already reminding me. Intellectually, if you're interested in any kind of thing, we live in a time of mass communication. Every person's got a voice, too, with social media. You don't have to try to get everybody's opinion. It comes to you even when you're not eliciting the information. But for your spiritual growth, you have to fight for it. You have to fight for it. You have to contend for it. Because Satan is fighting you on the other side. And in Galatians, he said there is a war that goes on between the spirit and the flesh. Because the two have enmity with each other. Because the person of the spirit wants to do the will of God, but the body doesn't want to do the will of God. And the things around you want to fight your attention, get you busy on everything else so that you don't. And this is be aware that it is a battle. If you're going to grow spiritually, you have to contend for it. You have to make a determination that I'm going to set priorities in my life. And, and you know the things that, that, that help us grow spiritually are not complex. They are not, it's not rocket science. They're so simple that even a little child can understand. I think that's on purpose. The Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. If spiritual growth will be complex. If we require a high level of intelligence for one to be spiritually, to be able to grow spiritually, then guess what? Only the rich will be spiritual. Only those that are born into um, um, privilege will be spiritual. Only the educated will be spiritual. And that, that, that was a toxic, the religious toxic environment that was taking place when Jesus showed up to town. Religion became, a so, the social elites were the most religious and most adored and most revered. Because they had the privilege of reading in a culture where most people are illiterate. 
so they could understand concepts and they could process stuff when most people could not read. So they had an advantage over the little guy out in the village who didn't know this thing they came up with called reading. But that's not God. God had to bring it to the simplest denominator. It says, out of the mouth of babes. For one to understand the kingdom of God, one must be like a little child. Do not despise little children because the kingdom of God is for such as this. So we as adults, it's a problem. We know too much. And it's so hard to simplify things. It's a tremendous challenge. Because you're waiting. Hey, I want you to give me a good, solid disposition. I'm ready. Give me the 12 steps. And the branches behind the steps. And the process of the steps. And I can understand the concepts. And I can map out my spiritual growth. Put in a flow chart. I will program it in a computer, have algorithms that kind of shape me and help me grow spiritually. And the law says, it's a lot more simple than that. It's a lot more simple than that. I had to make it simple. I'll say, it's the old boring strokes, hitting it just right. All the time. Ever watch golfers? I cross my arm when I play baseball. Well, I played cricket, not baseball in Kenya. I cross my arm when I golf. I think I was born to be a lefty. And my parents probably did a number on me because of superstition or something. I don't know. I cross it. I was in Mexico one time. My wife and I went on vacation. Went in. I was like, man, it's vacation. It's February or something. And it's nice in Mexico. I'm going to golf. And then I didn't know they give you a curry in Mexico. I was like, well, I've never golfed with a curry before. Well, that's kind of nice. And, you know, and then you find out you have to pay them a lot more than you were thinking. <laughs> and I, I grabbed the clubs and the guy goes, hey, 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 senor, senor, wait, 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 wait. He wanted to correct my swing. <laughs> Bruce knows what I'm talking about. I said, hey, chill. You know, and I hit that thing about 300 yards and he goes, But you know, there's some, because I did not get taught golf. I just picked up the golf club one day and what was felt natural is how I just grabbed it and I hit it and the ball went where it's supposed to go. And so I talked to, well, some says, you need to talk to a pro. And I talked to a pro and says, how long, how much do you play golf? Well, I played a lot when I didn't have kids. Right now, maybe once every, once in a while, because don't change your swing. Just go and have fun. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But those principles are just so usually simple and having fun. And I tell you, I'll give you, I'll give you the points. And the, if you're going to make growth a commitment in your life, there's some habits that you've got to develop and instill in your life. If they're lacking, you need to kind of work on those. Because there's no way around it. And they're not complex. So one, you all like points. So I'm going to give you that just because you like it. You got it? Read your Bible. Pray every day. Pray every day. Let's go to Sunday school. Pray every day. Read your Bible. Pray every day. 
grow, grow. Ah, yeah, 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 we can do it. Read your Bible, pray every day. Good choir, pray every day. Whoa, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day. Keep grow, grow. So your Sunday school teacher was smart after all. Communication is the the essence of every relationship. If we want to grow in our relationship with God, there's going to be some talking. And it's not just one way. You know, if you're married, you know, it just doesn't go one way. We've got to talk here. How many get that call? Let's talk. Communication is not one-way street, isn't it? And it's the same way with God. It's so simple. He wrote us a lab note. He says, if you want to know me, if you want to understand my way, it's so much, there's so much about me that you cannot fully comprehend, but I'm giving you a lab note that will teach you my ways. You know, when, when there's so much confusion in the world, when everything is relative, when truth is relative, who's the arbiter of truth? After all, is it science? They question all sorts of things. Like, no, no, no. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father apart from me. I didn't say that Jesus did. The loving Jesus did. The gracious Jesus did. It's in the Word that we begin to learn it about God. Sometimes it's hard to read the Bible. But you, if you're going to go decide you're going you're gonna to walk out, it's harder than first. Read a book. I would say, read a book. Don't try to like, God, what's the word for today? <laughs> you might end up reading where it says, Judas went ahead and hanged himself. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Read a book. I will say, if you, it's easy. For the Old Testament, I will say, this is what I, when I started learning to read the Bible and understanding it, I started just reading the books that actually have a title of a person in it. Ruth, James, Isaiah. Yeah. Good start. And we have different tools. And then go get yourself a real translation. Don't tell me this King James is the only version thing. Come on, King James is only 500 years old. The Bible was there before King James. Thou knowest not the trouble I've seen. God, just get an understandable version. Oh, well, I was told that King James is the original, original English translation. But boy, we've moved a long time since the times of King James. I recommend New Living Translation because it takes, it takes um, what um, King James type, a new King James, but it puts it more in today's language, but it doesn't water down the truth in it. You know, sometimes you can lose the meaning. So if you, for easy read, I usually read New King James and New Living Translation. But if you're new in that, I'll say you do New Living. It's a great Book. The stories, I, when I read stories to you, I read in New Living. But most of my verses that I have memorized, I have it memorized in New King James. So that's why I do both. But it's a good one. 
So anyway, I'm going to go on. So read your Bible for every day. Second one. Do I? It looks like you have the right one, is it? No? Okay. See how organized I am today? I just need to grow. <laughs> fellowship and testimony. They to go together. Prayer and the word, fellowship and testimonies. We were never meant to walk, do this walk alone. Oh, I don't need to be go to church. I don't need to go anywhere. Just me and Jesus. When I got saved, Jesus is my heart. It's just me and him. Not true. You will not grow that way. We need each other. Sometimes even people that have been more recent in the walk than you would inspire you and you inspire them. That's why we have the church. It's like, oh, they're all bad people at the church. Well, you're not good either. Oh, well, I, I care for Jesus, but I don't care for organized religion. Well, I guess you want this organized religion. I think it's actually probably better to have a little organization. Well, it's just about Jesus. You know, Jesus went to the synagogue. The Bible says that it was his custom to do. It was his practice. There's, you know, the temples in Jerusalem, the whole idea of a place of worship was not a man idea. It was God's own idea. He gave it to Moses, gave him a picture of it, uh, and, and, and gave him the specifics of what the temple would look like. That was God's idea. It wasn't an invention of any man. And so because the temple was in Jerusalem, not all Jewish people lived in Jerusalem. So they had the local synagogue with its equivalent of the local church. Oh, I can watch it on TV. No, you need people around you. Well, maybe you don't need people, but people need you. How about that? But those things, when we take those old, old principles that have worked for time and time again, we start losing that flavor of growth. Or we grow disproportionately. We grow in some ways. We may grow in knowledge but lose grace. Or we may grow in grace and lose the fear of God. You know? So it's walking together that we encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 25 says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as it is the manner of some. It says that you need to encourage one another even more so when you see the day of the Lord approaching. What's funny is that it's kind of gone the reverse. We're getting closer to the end unless believers are committed to going to church regularly. If they go, hey, Eastern Christmas or a couple other days in between there, they feel like they're good. But we need each other even more so. We need to pray together even more so. We need to be encouraging each other even more so. We need to stand with each other even more so than they did in the past. Because our, even our own faith is coming to an assault. And so we have to be even more determined now than ever to know what it says and to live with each other and stand with each other and pray with one another. And the last one is giving and service. And I'm going to end and we're going to worship. And boy... What I have to say for this, giving and service, never let that come out of you because it's in the service that you discover who you are. Well, one of the hardest questions people say, what's my purpose? Well, if I, you know what? You discover it as you serve. As you're walking through service and stuff, 
No different in your job. Sometimes you go into a job as an entry-level position, and you never think, and you start moving on through the company, and you learn as you work, and you're like, oh, wow, I never knew I could do this. And then you discover, oh, maybe I could start my own business. I'm, I'm narrating my own life. And you realize, wow. Now, then you look back, you're thinking, wow, from the time I was a little kid, God had already wired me for this. I just had no idea. Now I can look back to the rearview mirror and see how God was such a good, masterful planner. And he had my life in his hands. And he had me figured out when I was two years old. And everything's in my, everything in my life, even the negative things that I hated, God used it and he created something beautiful out of the brokenness, out of the nothingness, out of the mistakes, my own mistakes, out of things that were done to me, out of the unfortunate situations that happened that I wish to never happen. And God used all the negative things and the good things, and even the place where I was born, everything about my life, he says that he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Still molding your life, my dear friends. No matter what you're going through today, make a commitment to grow spiritually. Contend for spiritual growth because even the difficulties in your life, even the things that we do not understand, and of course there are things that will be too hard for us to understand, but he says we will know even then. So we need to live as people who have hope because he will cause all the ashes in your life. He'll make something beautiful out of it. Amen. God bless you. Did you receive something from God today? Committed to grow. Amen. Let's stand up. Amen. Come on. Give him a shout of praise. He's worthy.